0: Don't forget to thank the real pros this Mother's Day. Pro Flowers lets you choose from a variety of bouquets and unique vases that suit every mom's style. Mother's Day is coming up. I know a lot of our listeners, our moms, Every a lot of people have moms. Let's take care of the moms out there. Right now, get one dozen assorted roses for nineteen ninety nine. You can even double the roses and get a premium vase for just $9.99 more. Just visit proflowers.com. Click the microphone in the upper right corner. And enter my code, STORIES. That's proflowers.com. Click the microphone. Enter code STORIES. Mother's Day is May 12th, so don't wait. Did you know that rolling stone called Raised by TV, one of the best new podcasts? And there are new episodes available right now on Stitcher Premium subscription to stitcher premium you also get the entire beautiful anonymous back catalog you get the beautiful follow-up series you get a bunch of our live shows there's a lot of reasons to sign up for stitcher premium and raised by tv it's a good one as well it's john Gabris and lauren Lapkus, two people who are friends of mine truly truly hilarious people i've known them both for years i used to work with gabrus on all that stuff he's a true lunatic in the best way these guys have watched a lot of tv like a lot of tv Now, they're adults with minds hopelessly warped by television. They've come together to indulge their shared obsession. On Raised by TV, John and Lauren revisit the best and worst TV of the late 80s and early 90s. Listen to Raised by TV right now on Stitcher Premium. For a free month of Stitcher Premium, go to stitcherpremium.com. Use promo code STORIES. Hello to all my drunk scientists. Beautiful Anonymous. One hour. One phone call. No names. No holds barred.
1: I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you. And you'll get to know me.
0: Hi everybody. It's your friend Chris Gethard. Welcoming you to Beautiful Anonymous. Podcast that I'm eternally grateful that I get to do I tell you I've been reflecting on it lately I, I've had major life changes as listeners know I had a kid nine days ago and it's awesome and I'm tired and I thank everybody who has sent your well wishes a lot of people uh, who listen to the show have sent me messages on Twitter and Instagram and in the Facebook community you guys have been so nice thank you for that but I've been thinking about this show. I think this show I'm always humble and laid back about this show I'm going to go ahead and say it I think this is one of the best podcasts going and I think uh it shows off what people all over the world are thinking about and i'm really proud of it and i'm going to commit to the i'm not going to be humble anymore start shouting to the hilltops i think this show uh if you listen to it i think it means you're dedicated to uh embracing humanity and i know that that's a big thing to say but i'm going to say it i thank you guys all for supporting it and supporting me got a, a, an interesting episode coming up we have a. Uh, This is a very, very unique one. I think people are going to be excited about it and fascinated with the experimental side of it. We have done follow-up calls in the past. Um, We did the beautiful follow-ups series on Stitcher Premium. Those all exist. If you want to sign up for Stitcher Premium, they're just sitting there for the taking. We've done other ones on the regular feed of the show. Some people have gotten through twice. Um, And we've also done live episodes. We've done episodes where we set up sort of a, a whole audio setup at a park bench. We did those in London and... Toronto and New York, and those are really well received as well. But we never had both happen at once. We had a caller who I think is um, some, a caller that many, many people point to as one of the more impactful episodes of the show. The episode was called Whirlpool Galaxy. It was episode 104, came out March of 2018. Very, very um, inspiring call, but a tough call. It was a caller who, who lost both her husband and child at the uh, at the same time, and she was a widow, she was a bereaved mom, two situations you wouldn't wish on anybody, let alone all at once, but she, she found a way to sort of reconcile and rebuild her life by diving into the world of astrophysics, really, really fascinating stuff, and really, um, like I said, just a call that hit a lot of people in the gut. We reached out to the caller to do a follow-up, and she actually told us she was going to be in New York. This happened back in December. We said, what if we do an in-person follow-up? Never done that. But you know what? It's also really cold out there. Uh, We can't just go sit at a park bench. So we said, why don't you just come by the studio? So what you're going to hear now is me sitting in the studio, waiting for a caller who uh, has called in to just walk right through the door. And she does, and she sits down, and we have a really great conversation. It was amazing to look her in the eye. It was amazing to hear where she's at. And once again, I just found myself so impressed by her strength and her resolve and her thoughtfulness. And I think you will find those things to be true as well. Enjoy. said we're rolling hey everybody this was a caller who uh had called up and let us know that she had uh, lost her husband and child in an accident that she had a falling out with her family in the aftermath that she threw herself into academic work specifically related to space in the uh as a way to sort of cope and focus on on something and and move forward and her academic compatriots sort of became her new family and it was really pretty eye-opening, pretty mind-blowing and my understanding is that she's uh, right down the hall in the green room so I don't know how this is going to go you guys don't either, I guess we're going to all figure it out together, I'm going to go ahead and set up another uh, water cup cup for water she'd like some and she'll walk in here and we'll talk for a while and then You guys will get to hear it, and we'll be able to make eye contact, and we'll be another experiment in what this show is always an experiment in, which is uh, listening and connecting. Okay, here we go. Hello. Hello. How are you? I want to get up and give you a hug. I'm fighting off a cold. I don't know how you feel about that. (laughs) Okay. So nice to see you. You too. Where do I sit? You can sit right there. I should. am, Am I allowed to point out? You're very on brand in your outfit, <laughs> yeah, out of the gate, just so everyone knows. So the person I think that we all refer to in shorthand as Whirlpool Galaxy, <laughs> a weird thing to call someone, I, I, you're wearing space-themed pants and a NASA jacket. Yes. And it's an awesome NASA jacket. Thank you. As you're, uh, I'm going to need you to turn your phone on airplane mode.
2: On airplane mode.
0: Yeah, I can hear that distinctive fuzzy crackle. Oh, no, really? No, it's okay. I don't think it gets recorded, but there's...
2: Oh, okay. There's
0: like a static thing that happens Yeah, I'm much better on the phone than in person I'm bad at eye contact I'm a squirmy fellow You, uh-huh. can, you can probably explain to the listeners What it's like to be in this studio with me Because I'm a naturally squirmy man In this situation <laughs> You're
2: not too squirmy I feel like I'm much more squirmy than you
0: I think you're, you have a cool collected confidence right now <laughs> Whereas I'm physically hiding behind the mic I notice <laughs> I'm positioning it between us um, So how are you?
2: I'm, I'm okay
0: Okay. Yeah, how are you? I'm all right. Yeah? Yeah. Excited about some things in life, stressed about some things in life, fighting off a little cold. Okay. Just sort of real life, you know?
2: Yeah, but I think uh, that accurately describes my life, too, other than the cold. I don't have a cold.
0: Oh, that's good. I hope I didn't give you one. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: I gave my wife one. Oh, no. Not ideal.
2: Yeah.
0: That's what happens. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. No, I I know, I remember so much about our call. When did we I don't remember when it was over a year ago right
2: um I or think about it was, a year ago? it was like about a year ago because it I think it aired in March yeah um, but we spoke prior to that right so it's been almost a year
0: almost so. a year since we spoke yeah a lots lot, of
2: changes in that time
0: I was gonna say a lot can happen
2: yeah So yeah. fill
0: me in on these changes.
2: Well, so well, first of all, being on the show was uh definitely a major turning point i would say in in my life in general okay, that um, could
0: be good or bad. no, it was I'm good stress okay
2: yes, yes, it was a very good thing um it It was a turning point in my grief, even I would say i think oh, wow. it, um yeah because uh, i have I have friends who um I made after the tragedy or whatever um. Who also lost children or husbands and things. And they would say things to me that at the time I didn't understand. Like they would say um, that eventually, like, the grief um, becomes part of you, or they would say, like, lean into the grief. And I didn't really understand what they meant by it. Um, and I think what they meant by it is it's kind of like acceptance. And I, because um, the first year was a lot of avoidance and like um, denying that it was real. Um, Like, I read this book by Joan Didion called The Year of Magical Thinking, and she calls it that because, like, her husband had died suddenly. Um, And one day she was uh, cleaning out her apartment, and she found a pair of his shoes, and she was like, oh, I need to keep these for when he comes back. Um, And I, I definitely did things like that. Like, I kept toys in my backpack for my son and stuff like that. So the first year is kind of, like um yeah like i said it you kind of avoid it and you, you're in denial um but being on the show i think and just telling my story which i was so afraid to do um really like it led me to like a path of acceptance i think and um and it's it's a really powerful feeling not necessarily a, well it's good but it's also you know very painful but um but very powerful i would say so the show helped me with that and has helped me tell my story since, because I recently moved um, to where nobody knew me, and so um, telling my story is something that I've I've had to start doing, and I, right. I didn't know how to do that before.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'd also know that when you put it out there, one thing that always makes me happy with the show is there were other people who, some who had been through similar things or people who said, "I at the very least, I have a new understanding of, what that must be like for other people and Mm -hmm. you know I think that it it was something that other people were able to listen to and get some insight and some perspective and I think it helped some other people who are at points in their own grieving processes for whatever they're going through in life and
2: yeah definitely that
0: was uh I think that was I remember as soon as we hung up immediately thinking like that was that was that must have been hard to put out there Mm -hmm. and I'm uh I'm glad to hear that you don't have massive regrets that you did. Oh,
2: no. Yeah, no regrets at all. Oh, that's so, good. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely a positive experience for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, yeah uh, telling your story and hearing other people tell their stories, it it really helps to know. Like you don't want anyone else to have gone through something similar, but knowing that other people have been through it um, is really helpful. So it was good to know that it, it could help people too. Because um, I think with grief, one of the only things, like it's, um, it's very rare to find comfort, which i you comforted me, so I did want to thank you for that. That's like a huge happy thing. <laughs> to help
0: in any small way yeah, happy to help
2: <laughs> but yeah, so um yeah, it's just it's comfort like one of the only comforts you can find in grief is tr- like trying to help other people. I think that's one of the only things that right. really helps get through the hard days,
0: right, yeah, so when you say uh when you say a lot has changed in the in the almost past year. What are you what what does that mean? What's changed?
2: Well so um I'm in graduate schools. Uh I've gone through my first semester. Um I'm getting my PhD in astrophysics. Hell so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I moved from, like, basically the only home I've ever known, really, um, to a state I hadn't really visited much. Uh, I had never lived in my new town, or I'd never been to my new town before. So you
0: moved for your Ph.D. program?
2: Yeah, not knowing anybody. I moved, like, away from my, you know, I I had built this, like, support group of about, like, probably around 10 people who were... I remember,
0: you said, yeah. Yeah,
2: like, fiercely supportive people, and I moved away from all of them, and... Um, started in you know base, like a new job it's basically well it is a job they oh they pay me to do it too so that's really good cool. Oh that's awesome. Yeah.
0: I've heard about this. This thing where you're a student but you also pick up some scratch. Yeah, yeah. That's nice.
2: I wrote a proposal um I don't I hadn't heard back last time I talked to you I hadn't heard back but I had already written the proposal but yeah I wrote this proposal for funding and it was I basically did it cuz I thought it would be good practice there was like no way I was going to get it but then I did so now I'm, I my whole PhD
0: is funded, so that's then you fun. kind of have to go. Someone's <laughs> yeah. like, "We'll give you money to do this instead of you paying through the nose to do it." Uh huh. That must have been tough, though, to walk away because I remember one of the things that struck me so most most it struck me so hard when we first talked was you had really said like your academic circle sort of became your family
2: mm-hmm.
0: because there was uh there was one of the things I want to get to at some point is it because I remember there was some. Like money drama with your with your family,
1: mm-hmm. and I remember yeah. you
0: saying that the academic side of it has that is that something that you've managed to rebuild in your new situation or?
2: Um, yeah, so and honestly, I wasn't expecting that. So um, I was, I'm kind of a stubborn person, and um, I'm a really stubborn person, and okay. Uh, I had decided basically, like, um, after everything happened, like, you really see people's true colors, and there was, like, some people who came out and were, like, fiercely supportive, like, ridiculously supportive, and then there there was, you know, like, people like my family who were the opposite, Um, and so I kind of thought, you know, I'd have, you know, these about ten people forever, but, and I was kind of afraid to build new relationships, afraid of, you know, betrayal or whatever could happen, um, because I didn't want to be hurt anymore, like, Life's already hurtful enough as it is. So um, I wasn't expecting to find, like, new friends or anything. Um, so this year has been really surprising. One of the be- best things that's come from it is um, there's these uh, people in my cohort, like the other first years. Um, there's, like, four of us that are really, really close. Um, I would already say, like, best friend status, and we've only known each other since August. Um, and they've been really, really supportive, Um so, yeah, that was really unexpected. And um, they're younger than me. I'm, like, older than most people who are starting their Ph.D. And um, their lives are vastly different than mine. I, I definitely don't fit in to academia very well. Like, I, I don't feel like I really belong there. Um, well, maybe they do a little bit more. But, um, yeah, we I feel like uh, they're just, like, my my people. So yeah. they've been. And they're
0: all aspiring astrophysicists as well? Uh-huh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What kind of gigs can you get as an astrophysicist? Outside of NASA. (laughs) NASA's (laughs) the big employer, I would imagine. Uh Uh-huh. That must be the brass ring for a lot of people. Yeah. And then is there Elon Musk? Is Elon Musk hiring people? Is that Um, a thing?
2: I... Maybe. I, he probably hires a lot more engineers. I don't know if he right. hires scientists.
0: And Virgin Galactic. Are, there's the space oh, yeah. tourism thing. I yeah. would imagine there's some there.
2: Probably some there, too. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's pretty much you can be a professor. Right. Um, you can work at NASA. You can do a couple of other um Similar type job. Oh, work at, you know, some of the world's largest telescopes.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. Okay.
2: But other than that, some which people... Seems,
0: that seems like it's still within the realm of academia to a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of... Yeah.
2: Those three jobs are kind of similar, like, um, because part of your job is research. And then yeah. if you're at a telescope, the other part of your job would be maintaining the telescope. And then um, in academia, the other part is teaching and having grad students like me. So Yeah.
0: Do you yeah. know which one you want to aim for?
2: Um. Well, so... Uh, I've been thinking about this a lot. I rem- when I was little, I wanted to work for NASA. Um, and this one time, uh, I was moving to a new school, and I took this math test. And um, I did well on it because I really liked math. And, uh, you know, my teacher, he said something like, oh, you know, your future children are going to be lucky that their mom can help them with their homework. And I was like, yeah, but also I like math. Um, and I asked him what I would have to do to work at NASA. Um, and he laughed at me. Uh, And so I've been, I don't know, I've been thinking about that a lot because my current PhD advisor, she she doesn't work at NASA. Um, She works at my university, obviously, but um, she built um, one of the instruments that was on Hubble. And now she's building, she also built the instrument that's on um, the James Webb Space Telescope, which is the successor to Hubble. So, um,
0: so that you see the door, ha- you've seen people who have cracked the door open.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she's like kind of a big deal at NASA. So,
0: and how much of your, how much of this thing where you you're flirting with the NASA idea is specifically to say fuck you to that person who laughed at you?
2: Okay, maybe yeah, a lot, but
0: solid eighty-five <laughs> percent. Yeah, do we put a, the percent here fifty-fifty.
2: Probably fifty-fifty. Mine yeah. would
0: be ninety-ten. <laughs> Mine would be I don't even want to work there, but I just want that person who doesn't even remember giggling. <laughs> yeah. To uh, eat shit and die. <laughs> yeah. That would be, but that's the New Jersey in me. That's the New Jersey in me. I'm a bit like that too. Yeah. I'm now, I, you probably are familiar with this. So I am, no joke, right now, halfway through, and I did not read this because we were meeting up today. I'm a little obsessed with a magazine called Texas Monthly. They do great long form journalism. I'm a nerd about it. Most of it's true crime. I love it. But <laughs> I was reading an article that they had, uh, they did their like list of their best journalism. The one I'm halfway through right now is a guy who is uh, an astronaut. I, I think he's still contracted with NASA. Maybe doesn't work there. You probably know this guy who's trying to build spacecrafts that are based around using plasma as fuel, like the actual oh. substance that's found on the sun.
2: Oh, whoa. Okay, yeah.
0: Where you can get to Mars in 60 to 90 days instead of nine months.
2: Whoa. No, I haven't heard of that. But he
0: has to basically harness a substance that is a fourth form of matter that doesn't exist on Earth.
2: Whoa. Okay, and, and yeah. And he's going to uh, build
0: a spaceship that can apparently go 111,000 miles an hour.
2: Damn, that's
0: crazy. It's nuts. Yeah. Point being, I guess I know a little bit about <laughs> astrophysics on my own, in my own right. <laughs> you do, yeah. I was there impressed
2: you with your knowledge last time.
0: Well, I'm a big <laughs> nerd. I'm a big nerd. I don't, <laughs> I don't know all that much. That's cool, though. Yeah. That would be cool if you worked at NASA.
2: Yeah, but when the telescope launches— um, the other day, my Ph.D. advisor was saying that um, people from her team get to be in the room when the first pictures come down. Wow. And I started jumping up and down when she said this. And so she, like, looked at me, and she was like, do you want to go? And I was like,
0: yeah. So you're going to be there.
2: Yeah, I get to be there when, like, the first some of the first pictures come down.
0: That's super nerdy but super cool. I
2: know. I'm really excited. I'll probably cry.
0: So there's going to be, like, a whole bunch of Ph.D. students spread throughout the country who are going to be really jealous that you're <laughs> a fly on the wall for that.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: That's my, awesome. My
2: job won't be so glamorous. Like, I'm probably going to be staying up all night, like, watching these screens, making sure that the telescope um, is doing everything okay. Yeah. And just, like, if there's, like, a red light that starts blinking, I'll
0: call the right person, basically. That's still kind of the dream, though, right? Yeah,
2: definitely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, your face lit up. This is nice that we're not on the phone. This is a moment where I can tell you you just started glowing at the idea <laughs> that you might get to see a red blinking light if a telescope breaks. Uh-huh. So this is the dream. hmm Wow.
2: Yeah, I'm wow. Afraid, yeah.
0: All right. So hard question. Mm-hmm. Always, all, always awkward to ask them, let alone in person. Is the relationship with the family healed at all or is it still keep your distance, people? You did me dirty.
2: Uh, keep keeping my distance I yeah. they I haven't spoken to them at all since the last time I talked to you wow. um, they email me uh, you know on ho- on certain holidays they'll email me sometimes randomly they'll email me um, and you know it's usually like it's like two sentences like I hope you're doing okay um, I love you or whatever um, and it it's really hard because my first reaction is I just feel I just you know I still love them um and I feel really bad for them and I don't want to hurt them and I know by not talking to them I'm kind of hurting them but also like hope uh hope can be beautiful but it's also um it's also not appropriate in some situations like it it's not appropriate when um you can like when action is more appropriate like they hope I'm doing Better, but there's. They could be doing something to make me better. They right. could be apologizing. They haven't apologized, really? for
0: example. So, do you even answer the emails with your own cursory reply, or just?
2: I just ignore them. Um, yeah. The only time I've ever, I guess, I have responded, and it's when my sister tells me that my nephew says something, and then I respond to him specifically. But right, um, that's the only time I've responded.
0: Right. Yeah, because the nephew didn't. Nephew doesn't have any skin in the game on this. Right.
2: Yeah. He's you know he innocent. Yeah. Yeah, he's only seven. He was my son's like best friend. So,
0: and does that bring up any feelings of like, are they, is this genuine or are they dangling him out there as a way to keep me? I would imagine. Cause it was, if I remember right, it was, uh, there was like Kickstarter money that had come in to support you when everything had gone down and mm-hmm. people tried to sink their claws into that a little bit, right? Was right. that it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. What basically. Money,
0: yeah. Money is a bad thing.
2: I know, right? Yeah, and they they had done similar things before, um but I always excuse it cuz they you know, we've always been in survival mode and people will do things they would normally wouldn't do in survival mode, but there was no excuse for them to treat me the way they did when I was going through what I was going through. Yeah. So, um unless they completely change as humans, I probably won't talk to them again and that that hurts a lot, of you course. know. Of course, yeah. Um yeah, my life looks so different. You know, 3 years ago I had a husband, a son, you know, I I thought I had a loving mom and brother and sister and now I'm living it, living somewhere and I don't have any of those things. It's very strange.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's like uh What a I almost wonder another hard question to ask. So, I would imagine like you mentioned when we first sat down in terms of your husband and son, it's a process. Mm-hmm. You go through stages, you learn, you were saying before, how to sort of let the grief be a part of you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I would have to imagine, is there is there some sense almost which your, your mother and your siblings remains more of an open wound because they're still out there and they're not apologizing and it's being kind of kept open in that way?
2: yeah definitely
0: that sucks definitely yeah that a sucker punch
2: mhm and with grief too, grief is almost an open wound too um i I don't know that you ever i don't think I'll ever heal from it it's right. It's like you're just you're learning how to live with it like it's it's always there in the background, you always have this you know pain. Um, you know this severe pain um that's just always there, but you you learn how to live with it and i'm I'm doing a better job of that like i used to when it first happened the first year probably um i- i wouldn't like for example I would purposely not smile even if you know I had the urge to and people if they wanted to take pictures with me i i wouldn't i would never smile in pictures and and um i i almost like was making myself more miserable. I think just because I I just wanted everyone to know that there, there was like this pain that was always there, and I felt like I had to be kind of like sad all the time just right. to you be true to, to that. You need to project
0: that. Yeah, to exactly. To make sure they knew.
2: But in the, like since being on on the show and since like really embracing um embracing the pain or whatever um I feel like uh, now I now I'm the opposite. Not um I'm like seeking out joy and and happy things as much as possible and um, I think part of the reason I'm doing that is uh, my friend one of my friends who was a, a significant mentor to me um, I, I would call her one of my best friends now um, which is strange because she's 40 years older than me but um, she's also a widow and a bereaved mother and um, in talking with her I could see her you know she had this you could see the pain you could feel it from her but she also like when she laughed it would like light up a room like she was she was always seeking, she was always seeking, you know, joy. And so I think I learned, I've been trying to do that more. And these new friends that I have are really teaching me to laugh at again, because um, they're, you know, this young group of people, and they're really fun and stuff. So um, yeah, I think the new group that I'm surrounded by, they're, they're a really fun group. And I think it's it's exactly what I needed. I, I need to be around people who make me laugh. Because right. um, the the pain's always there, and I'm, I still have the dark days you know there's days when I can't get out of bed, like uh, the hardest day of the year um, was ten days ago. It was my son's birthday yeah. um, and I didn't think I was going to um, get out of bed that day, but um the two girls that i'm close with uh you know messaged me, and they were like, "What can we do for you today? Do you want us to be there? Do you want us to leave you alone and um and so i told I had plans for the day um. Uh, and so I asked them if they would do it with me. And so we we went to the store and bought like all of my son's favorite toys, like books and um, Legos and stuff like that. Um, and and brought them to uh, this like home for uh, children without homes. And um, they bought a bunch of stuff too. And because um, I had heard this idea from other bereaved parents that on on birthdays and stuff, if you if you do like random acts of kindness, it it's it, it's helpful, and I did that for my, my husband's birthday, who was two weeks before my son's, and that really helped. But then my son's birthday's a lot harder. It, um, and so they came along with me for that. And so, um, they're th- yeah, they're there for me on, on the dark days, too, not just on yeah. the days when I can smile. They step so, up. Yeah. That's
0: always up. nice when you have some people who step up.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: I think, this is, I think you're the third person who's been on the show who's brought up this idea of random acts of kindness. Really. There's one caller who just kinda took it upon themselves as a project to do in their life of mm-hmm. thirty days in a row. And then I talked to someone who had survived uh the mass shooting in Las Vegas who also said oh, that yeah. there's a whole community of survivors who mm-hmm. have, have sort of responded to what they went through by trying to actively get out in there in the world and and Put kindness forward to others mm-hmm. It's really amazing how that is a uh, That is a human instinct Yeah across the board Let's go ahead and pause Right there That's a cool thing worth underlining How many people Who participate in this show Are dedicated towards being kind to others In random ways We got ads on this show The ads are the way that uh, we bring you the show for free So uh, sit back, listen to them Got these promo codes. It really does help the show if you uh, use those promo codes when you order stuff. Enjoy it, and we'll be back right after this. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience, one night at a time. With three mattress models: the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. Not to mention, the breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. And it's delivered right to your door in a small, how-do-they-do-that-sized box with free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. But the best part is that you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. After all, you spend a third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. I think everybody's uh, heard over the years, I sleep on a Casper. I love it. It's, I'm telling you, I've had this thing over two years now, three years now. It's like uh, every time I get into it, it's, it's, it's as good as new. It's as good as new. This mattress holds up. I've, I've had other mattresses in the past. They get the wear and tear over time. Casper is still crushing it. It's like it just came out of the box, and that's the truth. I love this thing. My wife loves this thing. Uh, My wife has said she will never sleep in another type of mattress. She's currently, uh, you know, we just had the baby. She's nursing all the time. She goes in the Casper to do it because it's the most comfortable place in our house. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash beautiful and using beautiful at checkout. That's casper.com slash beautiful. Offer code beautiful for $50 off your mattress purchase. Terms and conditions apply. No one really has time to go to the post office. You're busy. You're a busy human being. You got stuff to do. That's why you need Stamps.com. Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. post office right to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Then, once your mail's ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. With stamps.com, you get 5 cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. Not to mention, it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Listen, a lot of people who call this show, people who are trying to hustle, a lot of people trying to chase their dreams. A lot of people trying to uh, start their own thing up. And if you are someone getting into small business, if you're someone who's starting up, you need to buy yourself all the time you can. Stamps.com helps you do it. So go for it. Right now, our listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in beautiful. That's Stamps.com. Enter beautiful. Thanks again to all of our advertisers. Now let's get back to the non-phone call. Yeah. There's a whole community of survivors who mm-hmm. have, have sort of responded to what they went through by trying to actively get out in there in the world and, and put kindness forward to others. Mm-hmm. It's really amazing how that is a, uh, that is a human instinct. Yeah. It's across the board. I remember when I was, when I started with my sh- current shrink, which was 11 years ago, I was really down and out. And I remember at a certain point telling her, I have this weird, I have this very unexplained urge that came out of nowhere to sign up for Habitat for Humanity, where you go build houses <laughs> for people. Uh-huh. And she was like, that's a sign that you're getting better because oh. very often when people who are kind of in the trenches with any version of these negative feelings come out of it, your urge is like, how do I start spreading that? And of course, I didn't sign up because I'm a (laughs) selfish human being. And also I'm aware that the idea of me building, I don't, the idea that if I built someone a house, that house house would (laughs) invariably be unlivable. I can't even hang blinds. Worst fight my wife and I ever got into was me trying to hang blinds. (laughs) The idea I'm going to build a home for someone. But I try to be, I try to put kindness out there in other ways. It's really amazing how people who survive stuff want to make the world better for others
2: yeah my therapist is actually the one who gave me the idea um she had been to a workshop for um people who are grieving and it's it's a common thing that people
0: do so yeah yeah now this crew that you have of fellow people in an academic environment Mm -hmm. who uh you say are much younger than you yeah and you're now in this situation where you're like living this life, I have to, there's a part of me that's like, wait, are these like college kids that party and stuff and you're along with it? But then there's also part of me that's like, no, these are astrophysicists, PhD students. I can't imagine they're like raging at keggers.
2: (laughs) Well, so actually amongst scientists, astronomers are known as um, the ones who know how to party the most. Really? Yeah. Why is this? I have no idea.
0: (laughs) So, so wait, you said astronomers throw down.
2: Yeah, they throw down. Like, for example, okay, what? so last, it was last weekend, I was with, <laughs> so <laughs> prior to this, I had never met, like, an astrophysicist before, and now I'm, yeah. like, surrounded by them. So, like, if you would have asked me a couple years ago, even, like, what would happen if there was 20 to 30 astronomers in a group? Yeah. Well, last weekend, there was that.
0: Um, I would think, like, a lot of people pushing their glasses up. Yeah. Talking, talking citing... Uh, textbooks and stuff that's the stereotype right
2: yeah and that definitely happens like in the department but then it's like okay we're not in we're not in school anymore you're not allowed to talk about research and so actually last weekend we did this thing that they've been doing at my university for i think six years now where it's called tour de beer and we all get on bicycles um that are decorated with like lights all astronomers and astrophysicists Mm -hmm. yeah 20 to 30 of us and um, we go to the first brewery, and we have hundreds uh, of temporary tattoos. About? I know,
0: right? Okay, temporary. The glasses are off. Yeah. T- yeah. Temporary <laughs> tattoos. Walk me through this.
2: So, yeah, um, we, like, laid out all of these temporary tattoos on this table, and we're all putting, like, temporary tattoos on each other. And we're wearing matching pink shirts that we designed specifically for this event. Okay. Um And we just ride our bikes from brewery to brewery. I think we rode— Uh, 25 miles in total, Um, you know, with speakers on the bike and, you know, dance parties on the bike. So you guys
0: party like the most... Annoying bachelorette party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Astrophysicist party like they're uh, getting married in a week. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Wow. And we were
2: wearing, like, crazy leggings. Um, you know, like, other people were wearing—I wear these every day, but—
0: You wear the, You wear your space pants every day?
2: Pretty much, yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: So you're all in.
2: Yeah, I'm all in. And on that day, they were too—they um, also wore, like, cactus pants and stuff because um, we live near Saguaro Cacti, so— um, that's a theme
0: there. Um, so by the end of this night, is it just a bunch of doctorate students like crashing bikes into walls and vomiting on the streets and stuff?
2: <laughs> so last year there were wrecks. This year we didn't have any wrecks. Um,
0: <laughs> Did someone have to give a speech about that? Like, can we please?
2: Yeah, the the one student who got in a wreck uh, definitely told everybody. <laughs> and he got in two wrecks, actually. So <laughs> On the same night? On the same night, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, because, yeah, beer and bikes— Is like a bad combo. But, yeah, and also it wasn't just students. There were postdocs and professors there also.
0: Really? Yeah. That sounds truly inappropriate. It was, yeah. On many levels. Yeah. Although when you get to the upper levels of academia, those divisions mean a little less, right?
2: Yeah. Like an undergraduate, a
0: professor is never going to go on like a beer crawl with a student.
2: Right. But grads, I yeah, PhD advisors will definitely drink with their students at times and stuff. Like every Friday we have... What we call Flask, because um, astronomers are known for making terrible acronyms. So Flask is an acronym. I forget what it stands for. Something astronomer social club. But we every Friday we go and drink beer together um, with like postdocs and
0: everybody. So here's a weird question, and maybe you don't want to pull back the curtain on the party culture of uh, astrophysicists too far. I would not be surprised if they got down with psychedelics more often than other areas <laughs> of academics.
2: Um, yeah, I, well, so at my current university, not that I know of,
0: Really. but... I could see people being like, why don't we just take some mushrooms and sneak back into the telescope (laughs) building?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I have heard of people, like, smoking weed up at the telescopes, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. uh, and one time, um... I was with my professors and graduate students at this thing called the Oregon Country Fair, which is kind of like a smaller version of Burning Man. Okay. And they were definitely talking about doing psychedelics together. Uh, but I wa- they I, were not around me. So
0: I am not a psychedelic type. I feel like with my uh, notoriously public uh, brain chemistry issues, it would always <laughs> be a bad thing. But I would imagine that if you were into it, Taking mescaline with a bunch of astrophysicists is going to lead to one of the best conversations <laughs> of your life.
2: Yeah, probably. We get we have good conversations like when we've been studying all day and it's like midnight. Yeah. It's yeah, we have good conversations then when we're just kind of like out of it.
0: Is there is there stuff bandied
2: about? Is there stuff what
0: like bandied about in conversation, like theories in those conversations? Where you guys are like, maybe this is true about space that would blow an like my average civilian mind.
2: Yeah, like I remember one time, everyone was freaking out because they were like, "We really could be living in a simulation." Because we like learned to write simulations, you know, and we're like, "Oh, what if we're living in a simulation?" So
0: once we learn to do that, it really opens up the possibility that this is
2: a simulation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: Which would indicate that nothing in my life is real.
2: Kind of, yeah. It's
0: all programmed. And there's <laughs> yeah. only a very, very limited amount of choice I've actually made. Mm-hmm. That I am a sim.
2: <laughs> yeah. My my favorite question to ask. You um, just
0: giggled like, yeah. <laughs> whereas to me, that's the most chilling thought.
2: Oh, it's chilling, yeah. Because
0: like, who wrote it? Who designed it?
2: Right, yeah. What if it, yeah, who? Oh, that's scary, boy. yeah.
0: So we might just be in Ready Player One and not even know it. Mm-hmm that's <sighs> really good to, good to face <laughs> to face wow wow I don't have to think about any of that in the world of comedy yeah, so that's that's the new one that you're wrapping your head around
2: yeah, that was one that freaked people out the most but oh, but that's the thing I love asking um astrophysicists is what freaks you out the most about the universe That's probably my favorite question
0: what are what are some of the answers you've loved the most
2: um well, so yeah, I asked my current friends the other night um and one said, you know, like just how many galaxies there are in the universe. One said how big the universe is. One said, you know, a very nihilistic answer that nothing matters. Um, I thought that was a little bit philosophical and not so astrophysical. Um, what freaks me out the most, I would say, is that like um, everything we, we've we studied, so like everything we can see and detect, even like stuff that we can't see, like gravitational waves or x-rays and stuff like that that only makes up five percent of the universe the rest the the other 95 percent is dark matter and dark energy which we know basically nothing about like we know it exists but we don't know what it is
0: Is dark matter one of those things i i've tried to you know i try to i'm like i just consume information and i'm a nerd about just reading a lot Dark dark matter, they've like brought a few, they've managed to actually isolate like a few, I don't know if it would be molecules or atoms or whatever it is, but they've actually made it exist in our world. But wasn't there some concern of like, oh, the people doing this might tear the fabric of our reality asunder by trying (laughs) to get this dark matter to exist in our world?
2: Yeah, so that's an example of...
0: um Journalism. The media hype. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying fake news. Yeah. You're yelling fake news on this. Was it the Large Hadron Collider? That's what it
2: was, yeah. They they were afraid that the Large Hadron Collider was going to, like, there was going to be a mini black hole or something. I think that's what they thought was going to
0: happen. Like, they, and that it was the sort of thing that the me. I remember the media hyping it up, like, when they turn this thing on, it might suck the Earth into itself. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Which that's not going to happen.
0: That was never going to happen. No, no. There was no yeah. world. Because I would have to imagine. Any academic or scientist worth their salt, would, if that was a possibility, we'd go, let's not turn it on. Then.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah. They would totally wouldn't turn it on.
0: If there's even like a 0.001% chance that it's going to eat the world, <laughs> we don't flip that switch. Mm-hmm,
2: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Every, and also anytime it's like, oh, astronomers found this thing and they don't know what it is, that the media is like aliens. It's aliens. Like there was that yeah. alien star. Um, and then I think also the um, – they thought there was, like, an alien spaceship, but it was a comet, so. Yeah. Yeah. Or I think it it was the first, um in, like, object from outside our solar system, and it may have actually been an asteroid.
0: So it is funny. You're in a field where, because it does, I would imagine it gets them a lot of clicks to say stuff, but you are in a field where it is legit that you're like, nope, the media has intentions that are for advertising purposes and get eyes on it purposes mm-hmm. and you see that at times where if they actually asked people of, of your stature let alone your professors that it would be explained to them no this is not what you're about to claim it is but you're they'll go publish it without asking those questions right yeah damn <laughs> damn
2: you have to you have to be careful what you say because um i don't know if you i don't know i think scientists do need to get um, better at talking to the public, you know, right. I, there's certainly some that are great at it. Um, but in general, it's a thing that I think our field needs to work on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's a popular expression that goes around that says, we know more about space than the ocean. Do you agree? Disagree? Does it fill you with a fury that these uh, oceanographers are trying to steal your thunder?
2: No, I think that's pretty accurate. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. trying to create a battle between <laughs> space and the sea. Uh-huh. So you know more even so you just said that we only know about 5% of what actually exists in the universe. Well,
2: everything that we know about is of that 5%. We don't even know the full
0: 5% though. So um so you can identify that five you can identify 5% of what exists mm-hmm. without even having a fundamental understanding of it. Yeah. How much of that 5% do we understand?
2: I mean like a percentage of that of that 5%. 1%? So. I I'm not sure. I'm it, that would be really hard to quantify.
0: And you're talking um, about the basic things like light, like yeah, light, ozone, and, and and why this chair is real, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and why certain things stretch and certain things don't. Mm-hmm. So we're dumb. Yeah. There's a whole there's a whole series of mechanisms that we will never understand, and we try to convince ourselves that we're the shit. <laughs>
2: Basically, not. yeah. Maybe someday we'll understand, but not in my
0: lifetime. Now, with that in mind, I, I wonder. I don't know that we talked about this last time. Maybe we did. Do you believe that this all randomly happened? Or did it have to be by design? Because simulations start, if scientists are starting to believe that possibility, it's telling me that someone programmed it and designed it then. Mm-hmm. A creator. Discuss.
2: um so like as a scientist i would have the only like responsible answer is i don't know um because there's Mm -hmm. nothing there's no way for us to prove or disprove it right um as a person um i i don't i also don't know um it feels like the universe is um really it's what's the quote by the way you need to watch contact
0: have you watched it yet Wait, the Jodie Foster, yeah, yeah, the one that the Aussie got. The Aussie—I've been told I've been pronouncing it wrong. Aussie, no. Oh,
2: okay. So, so there's a. So po- it's really that good. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's my Maybe favorite. We should movie have a too. public
0: screening. where me mean. <laughs> we rent out Jared. We rent out a theater. Harry, can you write this? Out? We rent out a movie theater to show Contact, and we invite any beautiful anonymous fan in the area to come watch Contact with me for the first time. That's a great idea. That would be a good, good discussion. Okay, so what you were saying.
2: Yeah, there's a quote in the movie that says. Um, Uh, Something about how the universe is so big, if there's nothing else out there, it would be an awful waste of space. And they were talking about aliens in that movie, probably. But um, also, I don't know. Yeah, the universe is so big. And the more I learn about it, the more big and crazy, you know, um, I'm realizing it is. And so... I don't but I don't know.
0: Now I'm dumb about this stuff. You're not. Is it as simple like in my very rudimentary level of thinking, is it as simple as if we were to be able to go through a black hole, something's on the other side. We know there's some other thing if you get through one and we know those are there, something's on the other side and we have no idea what that is. Is that the basics?
2: Um well that could be that could be possible, or you could just, you know, go in and just die. Um and oh. it's just like a. Oh, one yeah, or, the, yeah. Other. Yeah, one or e- the other. Either
0: there's a whole other conception <laughs> of what a universe is on the other side of it, or you just disintegrate into atoms instantly and no mm-hmm. longer exist.
2: Yeah, through spaghetti- spaghettification, like we learned last time.
0: Spaghettification. Yes, yeah. I do remember not understanding that last time as wow. well. Uh-huh. Wow. Wow. I think there's some- we have 25 minutes left. Okay. I think there's something to be said. Um, And who knows, maybe it's just because in person, talking more about things like this. But I will say, within the past year, the idea that we're, like, joking more about this side of things is a sign of, like you said, that the grief is changing and transforming.
2: Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Can I ask another hard question? Yes. Has there been any thought towards things like dating?
2: No, not, no. That's not a
0: thing yet. Mm -mm. Might never be
2: might never be. Yeah, I say I say never, but my widow friends say don't ever say never. Yeah. But,
0: yeah. Yeah. That's just a thing that you hold close to your heart right now. It's not yeah. happening. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And last time, I really appreciate how y- you were very, you know, sensitive with me. Yeah. Um, at the time, that's what I needed. Um, and this time, you can ask me more questions if you want to. And if it's too much, I can just tell you it's too much. Um, but I have told the story a few times now, like to my um, classmates. I had to tell them, even though I once I told them, I found out they already knew Um. And then I told my PhD advisor, well, that was through an email, but uh, she already knew too. So Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm getting better at talking about it.
0: About the details of what actually happened? Yeah. Well, I always, I said it, I'm sure you heard it, in the intro of the episode, I, I knew, I said, some of the listeners are going to be mad that I didn't just go, what happened? But it was just so clear to me that that was not, it's not, it would have crossed over into the show being, I could feel it immediately of this would be for the purpose of the sensationalism of that story. Mm -hmm. And it didn't seem like a thing that you felt was necessary to tell in order to get out what you wanted to get out via the call. So I never wanted to ask. So I would say uh, if that's something that you feel like would offer up some value for you to share personally or you think other people get something out of it, it's up to you. But I've never never wanted to force that question because it didn't seem... Like it would be nice. It just didn't seem like it would have been the nice thing to do back then.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I pre- yeah back then I, I don't know that I'd be able to handle it. Now I've um so back then I, I had only had like a couple of panic attacks and I didn't really know how to handle them. I've actually been having panic attacks a lot more. Um and I actually thought I was going crazy. I thought they were gonna uh put me back in the psych ward again. Um but now I'm like learning learning how to deal with panic attacks and um yeah. and I'd yeah to the point where uh things that used to would have been a panic attack are now just like me having like maybe just severe anxiety and just getting yeah. through it so i'm i'm uh, my anxiety has like gotten very very bad this past year um yeah or or recently since um going to um just i think grad school is really stressful and so having that um and it's linked to my you know survival like i have to i have to be successful in it to keep you know to survive monetarily and everything um also it's like my my biggest dream and i would be really sad if i didn't have it um
0: and then are you are you i don't want to i'm reading i hope i might be reading too much into this but is are you also saying that like when your anxiety hits based on the amount of real life stuff you've lived through do you feel like it's just like goes in deeper. Does that add to how deep it cuts with the panic and stuff like that?
2: Yeah. Cause, um, so I have PTSD too. Of course. Um, yeah. so like when, basically whenever my anxiety level increases, when I get like, um, adrenaline in my system, it's like, I'm, I'm back. Um, I'm back on the worst day again. And, yeah. um, and I get images in my head from the day and I have to like uh, push them away and stuff, and and just being in in grad school in general increases my anxiety. So little things that normally wouldn't make me nervous, um, I'm already at like a level of anxiety that's pretty high. So just little things can push me over. Um, yeah. But I I think getting through my first semester of grad school, I now know I now know I can um, get through my whole PhD. Um, mm-hmm. And also just like I mentioned earlier, like once you embrace once you embrace the pain and the grief um you it's a i was saying it was like a powerful feeling because um you realize you've survived your worst imaginable nightmare so like what else can happen like i right. it's like i can handle anything right so it's um so yeah that that's helped um and i've kind of uh like my um therapist says like when you have anxiety you you it sounds cheesy but you kind of like uh you know Tell yourself reassuring things. And so that's one of the things I tell myself is, like, I've already survived the worst. Like, like I can handle anything.
0: And not only have you survived it, but it's this—I feel like you're in this—and I want to say incredibly unique, but other people people do have—do lose people in an instant. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And you're in a situation where it's like, oh, it's like it put— It's almost like it pushes a reset button on so many aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. It's like, and now I just go and live another life, I guess?
2: Yeah, exactly. It feels like a completely different life. Like, I feel like I've had, like, three different lives, basically. That's weird. Yeah, But then
0: I got to say, it's really inspiring that you're like, all right, I got to live another life. I now have to get over something that is truly unimaginable by anybody's standards. I guess my next life will be me getting a PhD in a field that is, I would imagine, even in the academic world, one of the hardest. Like, no offense, okay. <laughs> Everybody knows my relationship with school, but this is not like you're getting a uh, PhD in American Studies that I studied. All right, that's a lot easier to wrap your brain around than uh, astrophysics, right? This is not a uh, this is not a comparative literature PhD. <laughs> Let me read a, a Mesopotamian text and compare it to Victorian-era English. This is high level. This is Even the other academics are looking at you guys going, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I'd like to pause this show just to uh, apologize to anyone who's in the world of comparative literature. I have no idea why in the moment it felt uh, worth slamming uh, completely unrelated academic discipline, but I did. Maybe, maybe it made you laugh, but I'm sure there's at least a handful of people out there going, hey, that's what, I, that's what I studied. Chill out. My bad, everybody. We'll be right back with more conversation. I am someone who has been in a position to hire other people over time. I've had projects that I've been at the helmet, and I've had to make hires, and it's hard. It's hard to find people who are qualified. It takes a long time. You'd start to read everybody's uh, everybody's resumes in depth and you're going, some of these are not fit, some of these are Now I got to divide them up into different piles and folders. But you know what? There's one place where you can go to make hiring simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ziprecruiter.com slash beautiful. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. Their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter dot com slash beautiful. That's ziprecruiter dot com slash beautiful. Ziprecruiter dot com slash beautiful. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Thanks again to everybody who sponsors Beautiful Anonymous. Now let's finish off this face to face convo. This is not <laughs> like you're getting a uh, PhD in American studies that I studied, all right? That's a lot easier to wrap your brain around than uh, astrophysics, right? This is, not a, uh, this is not a comparative literature PhD. Let me read a, a Mesopotamian text and compare it to uh, Victorian-era English. This is high level. This is even the other academics are looking at you guys going, well, I don't know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, and that—have um, ha- you ever heard of imposter syndrome? I have. Okay. Yeah. That's the
0: thing you constantly feel like you don't belong in the mm -hmm. life that you're living.
2: Yeah. So that's like a really common thing um, amongst um, astrophysics. I think scientists in general, it's something we talk about a lot, especially um, we have tea time with the women uh, in astronomy. And that's something we talk about all the time. And I think that adds to my anxiety is I have imposter syndrome. Like, um, and it's worse for people who um, are marginalized in some way or so it's worse for like women in this male dominated field or for like you know people who grew up um poor for example um so yeah, that adds to the anxiety as well just because right. y- you look around and every you feel like everyone's smarter than you and- so you
0: feel like you're constantly in goodwill hunting <laughs> <You're> like have <laughs> you seen that one yeah, 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 and I would imagine too, it must be even more pronounced with imposter syndrome when you it, with some people that is just a hurdle they have to get over but you legitimately would have been living a life where none of this happened it was already happened you were already living like you were saying you've lived three different lives there's been mm-hmm. other things where it's like no i thought it was going to go totally this way mm-hmm. why am i wearing a nasa jacket again like <laughs> why, how did i get the network it's really uh it's quite fascinating. Yeah. And I have to say, too, I've been hesitant to say this, but um, just in the spirit of I'm dragging all this information out of you, I will say that I'm uh, expecting my first child right now.
2: Yeah, I did hear that.
0: And the uh, I have to say, when I heard that we were going to talk again, I remember uh, when we first talked, feeling... Uh, so much like being able to understand, holy shit, that sounds like it must be the most painful thing. But now that I'm expecting a kid, it's like such a level of fear Mm
2: -hmm. when I
0: think about your story. And, uh, my kid's not even here yet. And I feel like I understand it a little better. And, uh, I don't know how you've managed to pull off all this high-level achievement because I already know just being a few months away that that's – you must have 99 reasons to just stop in your tracks. Mm -hmm. And you managed to find one that kept you going.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's – I do want to say congratulations. By the way, that thanks. And sorry exciting.
0: to bring it up in such a morbid no, context.
2: No, no, that yeah, it but makes. But it is sense. something
0: that yeah. feels like uh, if we're having a real conversation. Mm-hmm. That is a thing where I'm like, wow, I get it just a little bit more.
2: Yeah, and you'll get it more. Whew. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's got to be one of the. I don't. I can't. I can't personally think of something that could be more painful than yeah. losing a child. Yeah, it's got to be. Probably one of the worst human experiences forever, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I honestly, it's, I'm surprised that I've made it. Um, there definitely were times when, um, I didn't think I would, like, I definitely thought about, uh, like, I had a plan even to, I was gonna kill myself, yeah, um, but I, I got through that, and um, and now it's not even, um, a question, like, I'm not going to, like, once I decided I wasn't going to, like, the reason. Behind it, um, I know I I won't ever do that, but it definitely like, it definitely was a thought for sure. Of and
0: course, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I've been, I've been someone, a borderline activist towards that cause, and it, I know this is a very very dark, almost joke, but not even joke. But where it's like, yeah, if anybody has a right to make a plan and and put your tone, yeah, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna think about it uh-huh. more than most, of course, of yeah. course. And I'm so happy you didn't. But it's not even like a question. Of course, you're going to have every dark thought in mm-hmm. your head. Of course.
2: Yeah, it, it does get dark. And like I said, I still have I still have dark days. I still have days I don't get out of bed. But, but it's um, not
0: going that far.
2: No, no. Good, good, um, good.
0: Yeah. Not yeah. anymore. So, yeah. We need you to crack the uh, code on how to get us to Mars. <laughs> like, could you be that person? Is it? Is there a possibility that you're like, something clicks and like, are you working in a program that high level where like, I guess it's hard to think about it yourself, mm-hmm. but when you look at these, you said there's like four or five other people that are your people. Mm-hmm. Are you looking at them going like, you might be smart enough to crack the code on something. Is it that type of thing? Is your program that high level?
2: Um. uh Yeah, there, there's been people who have made, Um. you know, pretty big discoveries at my school and stuff. They're, uh, it's like a top 10 program in the world. So there's lots of, um, for space science. So it's a really, um, there's lots of high achieving people there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Usually science though, how it works is you make small incremental progress. Right. Um,
0: and then every once in a while, there's a weirdo who steps up and is like, you're all thinking of it wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. I was just reading that, that as far as us getting to the moon, Mm-hmm. I forget the exact specifics, but there was like a way that people were aiming to do it. And there was one guy that was like, we're all doing this wrong and why won't anyone listen to me? And I think he like kind of went off, went out of the chain of command and wrote some letters to some people that were like, we got to think about it this way. And they finally listened. And he was just one weirdo who was like, no, <laughs> I'm thinking way different.
2: Uh huh. Yeah, that's all it takes is like one weirdo to... Come up with a different way of doing
0: it. That was Einstein, right? He was one of those.
2: <laughs> yeah, for Some sure. Famous
0: examples. Mm-hmm. Tesla. Yeah. Edison was more of a. Although Edison lived in my hometown, so oh we had a really? Lot of fondness. Yeah, my mom's house was knocked down due to the Edison factories <laughs> oh, expanding <no. laughs> when she was a kid. Um it tells you how we were doing. That being said, he was a little bit more of a uh, genius slash thief.
2: Right. Yeah, I have heard that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That happens too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Got to watch your back in this academic world.
2: Yeah. Luckily, I found myself in a program where everyone's very collaborative because um, a lot of, you know, programs aren't that way. It's very right. competitive. But right. um, I'm at a place with, like, lots of good people who are very collaborative. And so that's, that's
0: going to get real shit done. Uh-huh. I don't know if you're at that. I would imagine a place, like, some of these pl- like, a place like MIT where it's a fight to get in, mm-hmm. and uh, that must mean everybody's, like, hiding their research from each other a little bit more. Yeah, Makes for sense. sure. Yeah, the, the Ivy.
2: Yeah, the Ivy Leagues. You know, are known for being like Shark
0: Tanks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No thanks. No, I, I wouldn't like that. Nah, I once did a college gig at Dartmouth. That's Ivy League, right? That's, mm-hmm. I'm, that's how smart I am. I have to ask if it's Ivy. <laughs> Everybody there plays beer pong every night. Every house has a beer pong table in the basement. And they all think it's the coolest thing in the world that there's this omnipresent. Level of beer pong. And they were all nice kids and it was a beautiful campus, but I wanted to just grab them and be like, the beer pong thing in particular, (laughs) it's not cool. You all think it's so cool, it's not that cool. Uh You know what's cool? Get a bunch of astrophysicists on bikes all fucked up crashing into each other. That's what's a cool party. Uh And then they fall off the bike and then they look at the sky and all of a sudden that's when the revelation comes to them that allows us to colonize Jupiter. (laughs) <laughs> That's what I think. That's what I think. So yeah, got about eleven minutes left. Eleven minutes. What do you think we should talk about?
2: I, it's up to you. I do mean, you any questions you've been wanting to ask? Or I anything.
0: am. I am. You had brought up that you're more willing to talk about some of the details. Mm-hmm. I'm tempted, but like I said, if you think it's not going to give you anything or listeners out there anything, I don't need to know. But I am. I am tempted. Just so out of curiosity's sake.
2: Yeah, so, well, so um, my PTSD and uh, so I r- recently found out I'm going to a conference um, for the James Webb Space Telescope. And um, I looked it up and I found out it was going to be on the beach. Um, and the worst day happened at the ocean. Um, and I wish so, I had
0: not asked that ocean-driven question no, before.
2: Yeah, no. Sorry about no, that. No, you're fine. <laughs> um Again,
0: yet again, putting my <laughs> – didn't even know I was <laughs>
2: – No, it's totally fine. But yeah, but basically, um, I have this like – so I it used to be where I couldn't see pictures of the ocean. Um, now I can see pictures. Then I couldn't see videos. Um, now I can see videos. But I still haven't been back to the ocean. Um, and in about s- – In about seven months, I have a conference there that I've signed up for. So I was talking to, like, my therapist, and um, I was like, I told her, you know, I I am going to this conference. I need to confront the ocean before then because I don't want to do it around my colleagues. Um, Because I actually did see the ocean once from far away, and I had a crazy panic attack. Um, And so obviously I don't want to do that in front of my colleagues. So basically in the next six, seven months, I have to get over my fear of the ocean. And I'm trying to decide how to go about doing that, um, which so the two year anniversary is coming up in about a month from today. Um, and my childhood best friends who have been super supportive um, are flying uh, to to be with me. And, and last year, what we did on that day is um, we hiked the, the tallest mountain in Oregon. Um, the point was to get as high above sea level as possible. I don't know. You just make up these things um, to get through the day. Um so this year though I might ask them to go to the ocean with me for the first time.
0: Wow. Um but, So I help you get through that before the conference itself. Yeah.
2: And my my therapist says with with PTSD with anxiety um you have to uh she said basically um when I do you know go to, go to the ocean when I confront this I have to I have to overcome it because if I go and, and like, basically the anxiety wins, then it's going to build up even more. So it's, like, a battle I can't lose. Like, when I decide to do this, I have to, like, I have to do it. It's um, like a
0: boxing match almost. Yeah. Like and it's going to knock you down and you have to get up before the 10 count.
2: Exactly, yeah. Which, you know, I've done that a lot in this past year. Like, with the panic attacks that have recent been, recently been happening um, – I've had to do that. Like I um, I was, a, for example, I had to give this presentation and I was afraid I was going to have a panic attack and not be able to talk, maybe run out of the room or something. Because I had had a panic attack during class and I had to run out of my class. And that was, I had never experienced that before. Anxiety is the worst. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so I just had to, I almost didn't give the talk. I could have emailed my professors and been like, look, this is my situation. I haven't told them yet, but I think they would have allowed me to not give the talk or whatever, but, um, I just did it and it was easy. I wasn't even nervous, nothing bad happened. And so now I know that's something I can do. Um, so this is just a more extreme version of that, but basically I have to be successful at it when I do decide to go there. Um, but yeah, so it happened at the ocean and it was a freak accident. Um, it doesn't happen to very many people. It's like a very regional thing. Um, but basically 1 minute they were there and 1 minute you know they were gone right i turned around and they they had been swept out to sea by a sneaker wave right um and my memory like i've blocked it out a lot i have i avoid those memories um and that's what my therapist calls it um so I, I have like bits and pieces of memories from the day. Mostly, uh, mostly my mem—I like—I can handle what happened to me. I just can't handle what happened to them. So a lot of my memories are uh, things that were happening to me because things that happened to them, I still can't—I can't handle it. So. No, of course. Yeah,
0: that's horrible. I'm really sorry. Thank you. Yeah, that's like. Growing up in Jersey, we got the famously you got the Jersey Shore, which is a, as everyone knows, tan nightmare people. Mm-hmm. But also the actual shore itself is beautiful. But there is always that thing of every parent when your kid is like, don't fuck around because it can. Mm-hmm. You gotta show respect, and it's uh, that's that's really. It's really hard to hear that your family is one of the situations where it's like, yeah, you have to be really careful because it's not a it's not a joke.
2: hmm Yeah, and with sneak, like we were very far away, we weren't anywhere close. There were, you know, uh, it was it was in winter. We it's not like we were.
0: Oh, even, you weren't even swimming. Oh no, it wasn't even not. like because we get warned about like oh, there's riptides and stuff, and you have oh, to yeah. be. yeah. No, it was. So you were just on the. We were,
2: yeah, we were on the, we were like actually on these rocks. We were far, far away. Um, And Uh in, in Oregon, there's this thing that happens where you'll be watching and you watch the waves come up to a certain point and they've gone up to that point all day. And then suddenly there'll be one that's just, out of nowhere. Wow. And so, yeah, we weren't—yeah, it it was winter. We we were doing what everyone else was doing on the beach that day, so—
0: So there were a whole bunch of other people out there, and it's just—
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was—there wasn't anyone near us at that time, but— um right. 'cause —because we were taking a walk, but, yeah, there was lots of people there that day with their families. So
0: it's, like, a few hundred yards that way, a few hundred yards that way. Those people didn't have to experience this.
2: Right, yeah, it's it's a—it's oh. this, like, freak thing that happens.
0: That's horrible. Yeah. Really sorry. Thank you. Yeah, that is one that I imagined. Again, I think like we said during our last call, I can see how that would also help put you on a quest to figure out how how the world works. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) you are in a field now where it's like, what is this universe? Why does it behave the way it does? Mm Mm-hmm. It does
2: feel very random. and
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because yeah, there's so many little things that day that, it, you know, one of the things I've learned to not do um, is think about the things you don't have control over. Because I, I was driving myself crazy for a while going back and being like, you know, I was the one who, who wanted to go to the beach that day, for example. Like, um, my husband took me because I was the one. I'm the one who likes to get out and stuff and so I just remember him being like, "Oh, maybe we should go here." And I was like, "Oh no, let's go to the beach." And so those things can really torture you. Um, you know, going going back over the day and you know, a million things could have been different and it would have turned out so differently.
0: But but it's also I'm sure you know logically and doing this show, we just before you came in here, we did a call from someone whose parents your dad was a quadriplegic cuz a car hit her out of nowhere it hit their car out of nowhere you know Mm -hmm. a maniac can show up in a movie theater with a gun these days like it's Mm -hmm. that's not on you and you know that logically but I also know that it's such bullshit to in any way say the emotional side of that is not real
2: right yeah
0: because I'm sure you've had that conversation a million times
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone who's lost someone goes back and um, thinks of all the things they could have done to make it not happen. And that's one of the things that tortures you the most. Um, But it's so it's one of the things you learn to not do, you know, in in general, I've learned, you know, if I don't, if something's hurting me, or if something's stressing me out or giving me anxiety, I think about it. And it's like, do I have control over it? And if, if the answer is no, then I have to just let it go um if the answer is yes then i can actually do something about it but um
0: yeah i forget if we talked about this last time but scientists notoriously the stereotype is not spiritual people in fact cynical atheists is the Mm -hmm. stereotype is this something that you thought about is it Do you think about an afterlife? Do you you're someone who's had to consider that?
2: Yeah, yeah, I definitely you're, think about it. Um, and you're in
0: a field now where people I think are known for rolling their eyes at it a little bit.
2: Yeah, um people are there's certainly been very vocal scientists who um come out as, you know, anti-religion and stuff. Um
0: I think we did talk about this a little bit. Yeah, a little time. bit.
2: Yeah. Um but i think um there's definitely you know scientists who are religious though you know um at my school there's there's a few for sure um and i, I would say most people are agnostic though i would say most scientists are agnostic right. but i i I'm, definitely think about i've always
0: been a little too dumb to know the difference
2: i think atheists you know it takes it takes some faith to say there is no god while right. agnostics are, agnostics are like mm, maybe there is maybe there's not
0: yeah agnostics are sort of like Probably, it doesn't matter either way. <laughs> yeah. Kind of thing, so why worry so much about it? Yeah. Yeah. Have you decided what you think?
2: No, no, not really. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm not sure. I, you know, obviously I would hope uh, to see them again someday, but, um, so maybe that's where religion did come from, is from us trying to comfort ourselves when things right. like this happens, but it's also a common theme throughout humanity, so Right. who knows, I don't, yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I don't know why.
2: Do you think because you're becoming a new dad? Probably. Mm-hmm.
0: Probably something to that. Yeah. And a lifetime of Catholicism <laughs> that I always have to unwrap at every <laughs> major life stage. <laughs> but yeah, probably. Probably because the kid's on the way. Yeah. And it's there's also, there's also a weird thing where it's like, it's going to sound really small potatoes in the context of anything else we've talked about, but I think about my life a lot as like a, Performer and why I'm still so addicted to getting on stage. And I do think, like, I've realized that me getting up on a microphone in a room full of people, is the closest to church I have at this point. Mm-hmm. And the idea that when I'm doing comedy, and even more so watching comedy, it's like when someone says something true and everyone else starts reacting to it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's like, oh, that is... This idea that we can all kind of collectively come together and connect on things and agree on things and on an emotional level be experiencing stuff together. That is is whether God is real or not. That's the closest I get to God, Mm -hmm. you know, is that. Is that when you have one of those magical shows where it's like, it's not just I told the jokes and they laughed. It was like something happened in there.
2: Right, yeah. Where
0: I'm not going to forget that night and they're not going to forget that night.
2: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I like that. Yeah, for me, I, I feel like um, doing research is my version of that. So I, I get that feeling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then you get to look through telescopes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: See if God's up there. <laughs>
2: Haven't haven't seen anything
0: yet, but maybe one day you'll point through the point that telescope through the black hole, and it'll just be like some bad at some like uh, badass who's just sitting there laughing at us. (laughs) Like this was all just a board game I set up, and I can't believe it's still going. (laughs) Oh wow! Well, this ended weird. (laughs) We're over an hour in. I've managed to make it end weird
1: and <laughs> philosophical
0: and undefined, but it was really—it's really good to uh, talk to you again, and also to see you. And I love your outfit. Thank you. And I'm happy to hear that you're uh, connecting with more people and finding that momentum that's exciting to you. And as always, um, just. Uh, it's also just on the utmost level, just uh can't believe what you've lived through and, and can't believe how strong you are to face it down. Thank you. Thanks for coming into the studio. Yeah. It's this is crazy a little weirder. Here. Yeah. You gotta uh sign the table with whatever you want. As oh, you can see. really? Yeah. Everybody does graffiti all over this thing, so Whatever you want to put, I think you've earned the right. (laughs) Okay. These are harder to end when we're in the same room together. (laughs) Even the other in-person ones, you just walk in other directions. But yeah, you're here. Even Harry and Jared are just... Harry's standing up with his hands on his hips. He doesn't know (laughs) what to do. Nobody knows what to do. All right. All right. I guess we should say our goodbye. Okay. Yeah. Thank you again for talking and everything. Thank you. Sorry about all the parts where I made it weird and sad. (laughs) No, you didn't. I got to thank our conversationalist, not really a caller today, for coming in, letting us know how she's doing, what the last year has been like, the, the progress in the degree, and also how the grieving process unfolds almost a year later. What a strong and beautiful person and to just sit and talk. It was good. It was good. In person, like three feet away. A little more intense than usual, and I'm a little more squirmy than usual, but I uh, can't believe how how strong that person I just got to talk to is. So thank you for coming in. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Jared O'Connell and Harry Nelson. Thank you to Justin Linville. Thank you to Shell Shag for the intro music. ChrisGeth.com, that's where you can come meet me on the road. I do a lot of stand-up, live taping sometimes. Check them out. If you like the show, go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. We'll see you next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Next time, I'm Beautiful Anonymous. If you heard about someone who needed help right now, would you step up and help them? Because this caller did.
1: I just drove. I just got back this morning from a like eight-hour drive to go check on a friend of mine who was suicidal last night. Ah, uh, that's uh, bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. Who? Oh no. I'm like as terrible as it is. Like I would like i'm so happy to do it like obviously i wish it wasn't that situation but like she literally didn't have anybody closer to her you know and she like is somebody we played dungeons and dragons with so i've (laughs) last night was the first time i actually met her
0: that's next time on beautiful anonymous
1: hello
2: chris and my fellow beautiful anonymous listeners So after I recorded the follow-up, I thought it'd be nice to share this song with everybody. My supportive older brother and his wife and the artist who sings it, Claire Riley Rowe, all sat down and wrote it together for me. And then my brother recorded and produced it in his studio, and he titled it Sky Full of Ghosts after watching a Cosmos episode where they discuss how the light from distant stars and galaxies takes years to reach us, sometimes up to billions of years. So we're seeing these objects as they were in the past, not as they are today. And it's possible that some of these objects may not even exist anymore. So it's almost as if we're seeing their ghosts. So anyways, I hope everybody enjoys it as much as I do. And thank you for listening. And I love
1: y'all. All this time all this space Is it twenty years or just two days Seems like forever since yesterday Now we're light years away I got my head up in the clouds above Cause I know that's where you are Holding on to this heavy love Cause I can feel you so close In a sky full of gold In a sky full of gold a sky full of ghosts In a sky full of ghosts Gravity is a hold on me Renegade black hole burning in stars all around Ground control won't you count me down To get my head up in the clouds above Cause I know that's where you are Holding up to this heavy love cuz i can feel you so close in a sky full of gold in a sky full of gold in a sky full of gold in a sky full of Full of gold. I used to think forever meant forever. I didn't know it meant today. One more smile, just one more smile. One more. Got my head up in the clouds above Cause I know that's where you are Holding on to this heavy love Cause I can feel you so close In a sky full of gold Sky full of gold in a sky full of gold in a sky full of gold.